Hello devs, and welcome to the Debug Log, episode 95. On this episode, Abina and I discuss the happenings of Unite 2018, held at the LA Live Convention Center in Los Angeles, California. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Unite is the annual conference where Unity shows off their latest and greatest toys, uh, as well as some updates to their old favorites. Uh, they, this year they covered everything from tools to performance to making movies. A um, fair amount about making movies, actually, which was interesting. Uh, so anyway, we'll be talking about all this and what it feels like to be immersed in such a creative and inspiring environment. So sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy the Debug Log, episode 95. Listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. I'm Ryan Kilgore. And I'm Obino Opara. And welcome back, everyone. This week we are doing a recap of Unite 2018, which I finally attended and Obina has in the past. How many have you been to, Obina? I think um three, four, maybe. I'm a veteran of four Unites, oh, nice. which is That's quite a few. I like well, what what Unites were they? Where were they located? <laughs> I went to one in LA, which was the last one before this one. And then I went to Seattle, Boston. Okay, maybe just three. So like Seattle, Boston, and LA. Oh, I thought you went to one in Austin as well. So Oh, you're right. In Austin. Okay. Wait, so, I was so right. how many so four. okay, four, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think I was gonna try to go to that one in Austin with you and then work wouldn't pay for it. And they sure they would. So <laughs> then you canceled on me and I was all alone. Aww. Actually I met a lot of uh debuggers or TDLers down in, in Austin, which was oh, cool. right on. Was fun. Yeah. We hung out. We're in a bunch of... Cool, but we'll get into yeah. all that details later. Yeah, no worries. So you got some uh, reviews for us this week? Shout outs, anything? Yeah. For sure. We actually have had a couple of people write in, which we really, really appreciate them. Keep those coming in because we love reading them. We love reciting them back to you on these podcasts. Let people know what you guys are, I guess, feeling about the podcast, which is always good. Uh, but this one is from Jay St. Galeas. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. But he's titled it, he or she's titled it, Favorite Current Podcast. I've recently discovered this podcast while looking for game development podcasts to listen to on my commute to and from work. I burned through the backlog in a couple of months. Although I'm not developing games in Unity, I'm writing a game in Java with libgdx. Much of the content has been universally valuable. I've really enjoyed the episodes on design, design patterns. Keep up the excellent work. Looking forward to the next episode. So yeah, thanks thank a lot, much. Jay. Very nice. Yeah, I'll just read the one this time. Uh, but yeah, thanks again for writing these reviews, downloading iTunes, and giving us a listen. Uh, we really, really appreciate all feedback that you have, whether it's good or negative, just preferably good. Uh, just send that to us via iTunes. We read them all, but we don't like actually you know, broadcast the negative. So We can't, right. though. Exactly. If, it, if it's a valid concern, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. If it's a valid concern, we actually will. If it's like, you guys are dumb because of this, we'll, we'll talk about it. It's reasonable. Uh, yeah, to get into the meat of it, um, so this year, Unite 2018 was in L.A. Finally got to go out to one, which was a lot of fun. You know, thankfully, I got to do it on the company dime. But honestly, and I'll get to this later, it's actually, you know, outside of travel, a fairly cheap conference to go to. I mean, it was only like 500 bucks, I think, for the right. full three days. Was that what it was for you in the past or has that gone up? I mean, I love it because I was on the company dime, I think, every single time I've been to mm-hmm. Unite, which is good. Um, but yeah, I think it was about around that price. And it, it's like you said, it's one of the more cheaper conferences that are out there for game developers. So 
which is really good for like indie developers or people who do not have, you know, companies paying for their right, trips right. and lodging. So this is like a really good, but we'll, again, we're getting on to the, get into this, but this is a really good conference to go to if you're a developer and especially if your primary engine of focus is unity. So yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really, really good thing to be at. And um, this year was uh, um, like we said in LA and it was at the uh, GW, uh, GW Marriott hotel in Los Angeles. And it was from October 23rd to 25th. So last week and, you know, I flew out there on that Monday, which was the 22nd, you know, got there and like, you know, the LA live complex was kind of great to be at because it was just like, everything was right there. So you had the hotel, the conference, restaurants, bars, everything was kind of just right there and you're like right. easy to get to. Right. Actually, quick question, yeah. Ryan, going to this Unite now, would you recommend Unite specifically to developers who do not use Unity? Like if they're just game developers, would you recommend going to a conference like Unite? You know, I I know I don't I don't think I would necessarily recommend that because it is it's all geared toward their stuff like their toolkits their you know their paradigm their platform so I don't know that it's kind of a difficult question because at first all, I'm going to say no because if you're not using their stuff then and you don't plan on using their stuff it's kind of a big ask to spend five hundred dollars even if you're local to go right. do that. But it is interesting to hear all this and it's kind of inspiring to hear people, you know, work on this type of technology, see what they're putting in their platform and engine. And so I'd say if you're on a budget, no, I wouldn't do it. Use the platform you're already, you know, kind of involved with, kind of spend the money there for what you're going to be working on. But obviously, if you've got a company or you can afford it and it's, you know, not too big of an ask, yeah, go check it out because you'll meet a lot of people who are creating cool things using that platform. You'll learn more about the platform. I mean, you're not going to get like taught how to use it in depth, but you'll get the high level of what it can do and all the new stuff it's going to do. So... I don't know. It's it's like everything is sort of a uh, cost benefit analysis. You know, you could go see it and get a lot out of it. But no, you, you make a good point. It's not really if you don't if you don't have that money to spend just casually, uh, it's probably not the best place to just dump right. in like five hundred dollars plus lodging. plus all Right. And I mean, it's the same thing with any technology. It's like if you don't you know, if you're not actively involved with it, you're just kind of a sort of tourist I mean, and maybe that's a bad word but you know you're just like oh i just kind of want to go check that out it's like well yeah you're gonna spend the money and you'll learn some stuff but what are you gonna do with it so getting there great to see like sort of the whole setup and ha like you know they had all these you know great let's see uh great sessions scheduled every day and things like that and i guess that maybe the best way to kind of break it down is sort of go over the keynote and then just sort of you know kind of go through some of the sessions i went to not you know ad infinitum but you know just sort of the major themes of the conference because i mean you know it's going to kind of let you know where unity is focusing themselves for like you know the next few years or the next year or two uh on their platform you know so to just kind of get into it like the keynote was at the orpheum theater and it was pretty cool because uh you know they just had this whole big production and i'm assuming they did that when you went too, right to these other ones they had like sort of big keynote and kind of like unveiled all the big stuff right 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 i agree and i feel like over since i've been to like four now i feel like every year the keynote gets more grandiose uh, which is i guess a little reflective of them growing as a company and growing as and grow like being able to market 
their engine even better. So I, I just love the way they're putting this show together. It's I think they're everyone's kind of in everyone in like all these giant tech companies are starting to move to the same mode of like how they deliver their keynotes, uh, which is it's really it's more of a spectacle and it is gets you really excited about the engine or about whatever product they're, I guess, talking no, about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's like if you look at like Apple conferences, or Google conferences, everybody kind of has adopted this like keynote like and then this thing and then this thing and wait one more thing. And, right. you know, but wait, yeah. there's, you know. <laughs> this other thing type of yeah format which is definitely what this was but it was it was cool to kind of watch but they had these big screens like throwing up you know samples of what they were doing and all these people talking but let's just sort of jump right into it so basically they had a like a few big things they were sort of going after that night and uh at least from my perspective uh one of them was uh the media pipeline so like the unity is definitely it seems to me starting and this is kind of shown up in the past years going after this uh more sort of tv film sort of video or you know just non-interactive uh experience offering you know they're, they're offering tools to quickly sort of integrate and iterate um you know uh sorry sorry to iterate over ways of creating content so you like say you have a tv show and you want to do different shots or you want to switch out characters you want to make them bigger do something different or oh, sorry go ahead oh no oh, okay. no sorry uh, no ahead. but it, basically they're offering interactive ways to create like you know tv shows and different shots of things and um you know, they're, they're really kind of like highlighting that content now. So, you know, improving workflow, sharing assets. So they basically had like, say, Disney and uh, Baymax Dreams was one of their uh, headliners. And this was a show they had done, um, you know, with Disney. And, you know, they they created this whole series of episodes in Unity and, you know, with these high, you know, high res assets and this and that. But then they wanted to turn around and make a game with it. And so they, they just took those same things and essentially, you know, in the same platform, use them and created a game for it. So it kind of, you know, highlighted how you could do it was, you know, it could straddle both sides of the fence there, I guess. It's like, here's the non-interactive right. thing. And, and, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that you could you can definitely see how Unity's been transitioning to this media slash film focused i guess pipeline i guess or, or i guess direction because mm -hmm. uh even just the, over the past we've had features like timeline that came out in uh what was the other one where it was like uh was it was it cinema something but it was like where the camera would focus on your you could just have it locked in as your on your character in both 2d and 3d uh which was cool and i think they're just like building up this pipeline for people and for animators and for uh i guess level designers to really i don't know be able to orchestrate their uh the you know scenes in a certain way which is really good for tv uh and i don't know i mean it's still like you said it does have uses and and is very applicable to games but you can see that they're trying to really cater to that film industry yeah definitely and they, they had this features. whole like sort of faux like, hey, I'm the technical guy who's working Unity. And then this other guy who was just like, you know, supposedly being the, you know, producer or whatever, who was calling the shots creatively. Right, right, right. He was like, and now what if I wanted to be a big zombie sheep? And then you know, this guy was like, all right. You know, and of course, the technical guy was like, okay, 
you know, with this exasperated tone, like, all right, we'll make a bigger sheep. But it was very easy for him to do. He's like, okay, I'll scale that up and do this. He's like, well, what if I want the camera to do this and that? And like, or what if I want it to, you know? So they were basically altering the timeline and like changing assets and, you know, changing audio cues on the fly here for a live performance. And just, you know, it's like, hey, here's how easy it could be. And this could, you know, either one be for just a sort of a prototype or demo reel, like, hey, here's what we think it should be. Or it's like, you know, you could even say, hey, we need some quick edits on something that's going to go to production the next day. And hey, boom, we can do that. So so very interesting stuff there. Um, I guess kind of dovetail into that is to keep in the theme of the um, sort of film animation type tools is they also bought digital monarch media um which is a a a company that's created a lot of virtual film tools and um they have been involved with movies such as ready player one uh blade runner 2049 and the jungle book and so that is you know i they i they didn't really go too in depth with that but it's like they're basically onboarding more and more people to sort of get into this film genre and create, you know, virtual tools for film and, you know, framing shots and things like that. And, you know, that, you know, you kind of see that earlier on when, you know, they partnered with Oat Studios, which, you know, I'm not kind of sure what that relationship is. It was not t- talked about. I mean, they mentioned the Adam films some, but, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what their relationship with Oats is because... Honestly, I hope it's still there because I thought they were doing a lot of cool stuff with like environments and things like that. But not to get off the point, um, you know, they're really kind of hit, trying to hit it home with film. So, right. Uh, I guess they picked up Disney to really embrace their engine. So they're like, uh, eh, that's just as big yep, of a, that's, you know, bigger. That's a that's that's a pretty <laughs> big get. Guy. And you know, I'm. Yeah. Honestly, where I work, cartoon, I'm kind of thinking like, hey, hey, maybe we should do some of that type of stuff. Like, (laughs) I wonder if we could get on board with that, Um, you know, because that would definitely make things easier for games sometimes. Hey, we got all these animated series in 2D. Hey, maybe we could actually author those in Unity and then we'd have all the assets right there and just boop, kind of throw them right over into a game instead of having, you know, a third party company take them, do something with them, whatever. So, um. All right, so I guess we'll kind of keep start to straddle the film and game uh, uh, genre here, and then uh, talk about uh, oh, Cinecast. Uh, so, have you heard of this one before, Cinecast or their real time camera system? I have not. Oh, I, I don't know if that was the it was it's being or it's the formal name of what I kind of heard in previous nights, where you're able to really track you know faces on your and track assets in the game. Uh, with your camera. Uh, so it may be, I, I didn't watch this mm-hmm. particular piece. So maybe be them building up that. Uh, well, yeah, that it may be an evolution of that because uh, what they were talking about here is definitely, it was definitely creating like a lot of cameras to track players and assets and certain things going on within the game. Um, and they were really kind of targeting it towards sort of an esports style casting experience. So, you know, you would have say one person uh, sort of, helming the cinecast interface and you know it didn't give us a lot there to look at but it was just one person at a computer saying hey watching these you know four people playing this game sort of left for dead style moving through this uh area and they were picking cameras and these well i should say first the the system has a lot of cameras in the scene and they're watching the players they're watching the environment they're watching the enemies it's it's kind of this sort of like thing that's trying to find the best shot. And so there's probably, I see. Yes. I see. 
Okay, this, yeah, this okay. is a little bit different than what I was thinking. This is more of like, you know, where, where you're watching the League of Legends uh, Twitch streams and, and how the camera automatically jumps to like, oh, this is the where the action is happening. So this is like almost predictive camera and real-time camera system. Is that what more Yeah, but it's I mean, like? it kind of sounds like we're talking about League of Legends where it's like, oh, hey, where's the action at? You know, that, that's kind of what it's doing too is it's like saying, you know, hey, you know, hey, are they at a point where they're about to encounter a lot of enemies? Maybe we should go and focus on the enemies because them, you know, attacking the players could be a point of interest or, you know, maybe the players are all huddled down and, you know, firing off a lot of rounds maybe we should pick one of them to look at so basically there's a lot of cameras looking at a lot of things none of them are necessarily rendering anything or like live yet but it you know the person at the cinecast uh at using that software can you know can can be recommended and choose certain types of shots or they could just grab it and kind of fly around the level and be like hey i'm just gonna look at these guys and say here's here's our favorite player and let's watch what they're doing right now so that's really cool so it's just like a is i guess it does it come as like a unity package you just dump it into your scene and then like blam Uh, yeah (laughs) don't know exactly how all that works because again we got the high level like here's here's where all the virtual cameras are and here's it doing its thing um i'd need to look because i don't a lot of them they said there's like uh github repositories just like grab the packages or use the man or the package manager or you know update the manifest to pull that down but you know that for cinecast they didn't really say a lot about that but when they did for is uh the fps sample which is the one i am very interested in and have i'm gonna try to pull down here very soon and kind of dig apart um and the fps sample is just kind of what it sounds like they got some guys who uh it was actually a very small team uh went to some of their talks we'll talk about that later but um and they created uh basically an FPS project in Unity that is free to download and you get everything. So you get their, um, you know, their input, their rendering, their, you know, their assets, their, uh, their networking code. It's pretty much everything that can make, that makes this thing run, you get, and they kind of pitched it as a manual with that. What do they call it? Like a manual without words or something like that. So you just basically get their whole project. It's like, Hey, if you could, download a triple a title and just have everything there and see how it all uh you know interconnects that's what this is supposed to be and that's pretty right. cool and and it's a it, it thing is it, it's not like a cheapo project or it's like this is like no not, i guess it's like the angry bots it's like the new age angry bots and that it's like this, this new package that comes with you except for the great thing about this project is it's ongoing. It's not like something they're just, hey, here's a static project that we're just going to leave and you can just look at it and that's it. This is a project that they said they're going to continue development on. So as new technologies come out and as new ways of doing multiplayer FPS first person shooters evolve and come out, they're going to be you know integrating that into this sample, which is really cool. So like like Ryan said, it's, just, it's, it's a really loaded project. It's including, I think they dived into... Uh, what's the name of I can't even remember now the what's it called the HD oh, uh, the high definition render pipeline yeah 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 the new yeah. render pipeline so they're making use of those custom pipelines for that game so you can actually see how they're using it and producing this really amazingly beautiful realm I think they, it comes with like two characters as well so two high definition characters in that FPS yeah so yeah really there's cool. there's uh, a couple of players enemies um, I forget. 
forget how many levels, but I mean, they, they you know, but these are these are fully fleshed out sort of things. They're, they're not like, you know, a, a very simple sort of like, oh, here's a gen- generic level that blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they actually went into detail and tried to create a very, you know, rich experience for it. So it's not like maybe angry bots or something where it's like, yeah, this is generally what it can do and it looks good. It's like, no, they, they tried to push the envelope with the system. It's like, hey, if we were going to make a production FPS... Here's what we're going to try to do. Let's see what we can do with the system. And so, like you said, you know, you can get into the HD render pipeline and the scripts they read for, uh, sorry, wrote for that, um, you know, for the rendering. And then they also have, uh, I think, uh, two different game modes, like the networking code for that went to a whole session on, you know, how they wrote that, which is, yeah, um, you know, essentially not using UNet anymore, um, thankfully thankfully right uh, <laughs> they went into the whole like way they wrote their own networking but i mean that's kind of something they're moving forward with is hey you know we need to figure out a better way to do that but i mean that's kind of a whole separate conversation but the fps sample is great because it's a full package and it it, it deals with the platform top to bottom for that type of thing which, you know, is something you don't always get. And they, another thing they said was like, hey, nothing from the asset store, none of that. You know, they, you know, they, they, no hacking for the most part. You know, they had a couple hacks they had to do, but it was something that just wasn't going to be released in time for this, you know, demo release at Unite. Um, so, and the, you know, the reason they said obviously no asset stores, they wanted to give everyone the assets to do whatever they wanted with without having to worry about, you know, paying somebody else or you know you taking from somebody else and them not getting paid you know that type of thing so they want to be completely standalone so i thought that was very cool um yeah so and another thing to let the fps sample kind of do that was uh they were very big on performance in the keynote and one of the cool things they showed was the mega city demo did you get a chance to see this or this is the one yeah. I've heard a lot about. I heard it from, um, you know, a friend of the podcast, Dan Moran, who talked about it. I wouldn't say agnosium, but he talked about it a lot and how crazy amazing it was seeing this, you know, performance in the keynote. Uh, did I think he mentioned that it was even they even did this on a device like on a yeah, phone? Yeah, they actually and got it running. <laughs> yeah, like you know, we're kind of saying about the format of the show earlier. It's like they pulled the app, like and one more thing, and you know, they right, whipped right. out a mobile device, <laughs> like and here it is running on this, and you know, it looked fairly legit because it had the like generic Unity logo for it was it looked like it was on iOS. I don't know, but it had the generic Unity logo to launch the app. It's like hey, boom, there that is, and. and they didn't feed it into a monitor. They just had a camera zoom in on it and it, it looked pretty good. Hmm. So, um, I mean, right. It is what it is, you know, it was a sort of conference showpiece, but that was, you know, encouraging that hopefully they can get that kind of performance on devices. So yeah, but, um, and go ahead. The, no, I was just saying that I think the, the main, I guess, core foundation behind that demo was the, Entity component system, which I I don't think we've had, we haven't deep dived into that that system at all, partly because it's it's kind of a, a new fresh thing, uh, which doesn't have that much documentation on it, so it's not something we can really deep dive into it just yet. But I think that was like their core. It was a really great demo to uh, emphasize this. Was this the was the Mega City demo done by some other third party, or was this is actually Unity's 
you know no this was all project. unity as far as i i know and like from the way they're presenting it um you know it was it was them creating it all and um, like you said it, it worked off of the entity component system and also like their new nested prefab system so yeah yeah ooh, you know which I, I went to one talk and it's the nested prefabs are really cool they had a level of they had another level of complexity so it's like none of this is for free but they're very cool but you you there's some caveats to it, which that's true. I think that's kind of the trade-off that's been happening yeah. with unity. It's like with these new systems like timeline or the East entity component system and, you know, high definition render pipeline, you get some more complexity, you get more, uh, I guess it's more expensive in what you can do. Uh, so that adds that complexity and you also get, but you also get the added uh, benefit of like more performance or, a greater ability to control your scene or, you know, there's a lot of trade-offs for the longest, you know, you've been trying to cater to, you know, fresh developer who doesn't need to know how to program mm -hmm. or can just, you know, use assets. But now we're getting into, you know, this is something that any corporation, any AAA studio can and does already use, you know, to build high graphics, high yeah, some very high performance type game, of things. So. And it, it, you're right. It's very interesting because you're seeing unity come from a place where is there, there's a whole philosophical conversation here about this. But I mean, it's going from a place where, you know, it was very easy for people to just write scripts, put them on objects, make games, you know, and that's great because that gets people in the door. It, it allows people to, you know, have a creative outlet without a lot of overhead. And that's still there. You know, that's all of that is still there, but they are now offering, you know, they're now like acknowledging performance and like, hey, we, you know, what we did was great for, you know, that sort of ease of entry. But now we may need to add another layer of, hey, we need performance. So now we need to start integrating things like, hey, your prefabs are going to become a little more complex. If you want that sort of nested behavior and dependencies and ease of, say, changing things or um, what, okay, to take a step back, one thing we did not mention about the Mega City demo is some of the stats, which is mm -hmm. uh, for so in the scenes they were showing, which is you know, and if nobody's seen this, this is crappy to hear over a podcast, I know, but because you know, I'm trying to describe essentially what is think of it like Neo Tokyo Fifth Element. There's just basically these Mega City type of things with all these flying cars going around. Um, you know, and they're sort of, they're flying through this environment and, you know, these are like, you know, these big, these structures are like these big sort of apartment sky uh, uh, high rises that have, you know, all these little like air conditioners on them and like, you know, little, uh, uh, what do you call them, awnings and things like that. And just, just like all these knickknacks all over the thing that are, you know, animated or have sounds and stuff like that. And so within the scenes they were showing, they were saying they had like 4.5 million mesh renderers, 100 thousand audio sources what? uh five thousand dynamic vehicles two and i'm just reading over stats they put out here and um two hundred thousand unique individual ob individual objects per building now i'm not quite sure what that is but it's like what two hundred thousand game objects in the or like in a just... building so they kind of did bring this yeah oh, it's up building. later where you know okay going back to the nested prefab thing it's like they had a building that was a prefab say so so they just brought up a building and this building was a bunch of different smaller prefabs like i said like say maybe the air conditioner unit or something like that so it was basically them showing off, hey, with this entity component system and our data modeling, and then these nested prefabs with reuse of objects, we have all these mesh renders, but they can be batched and sort of like, that's how we can make this run it. What they said was 60 frames a second, 
with all the shit on the screen is because, hey, you know, they kind of manage their data well, which is, if I really take a step back, was the theme of the whole, one of their bigger themes for the whole conference in the entity component system is managing your data well, organizing it, and sort of, you know, that allows you to create these type of scenes. Um, so, right. I mean, yeah, that's, and I think that's what I like about the entity component system. At least what I've heard about it so far is that it does it kind of encourages you to be more organized in how you write your code and, and, and how you plan for like, you know, multi-threaded, you know, functions and multi-threaded programming. So I, I think it, it it's in that regard, I think that's really helpful that they're providing us, us being the game developers with more functionality, more features, more performance, uh, and also, you know, helping us become better programmers and better engineers and, and developers uh, by kind of guiding us to a way to be more optimized and more organized in our code. So that's what I really like about the EC Entity Component System. And I just wanted to take a step back. Remember, we were talking about like, uh, you know, Unity's transition or I guess thought process of going from like making it really simple for users to to adopt it and to make use of certain systems, uh, mainly being like the networking system. And I think that was kind of, for me, that was like the main, I guess, downside and downfall of UNET was, it was kind of like in this gray area of, or no man's land of like being a little too simple to, you know, really mm-hmm. be performant and really be uh, useful as a networking tool. Um and just or not complex enough to, you know, really, you know, gain performance and, and gain all that stuff that you need from a networking tool set. So I think that's kind of to me, that's I feel like the main reason why it didn't succeed uh, is because it was in this no man's land of, you know, not too not complex enough uh, and not simple or it was maybe too simple for networking. And I guess networking in general is also a level of complexity that you add to your game. So having it too simple is just not going to cut it. In most yeah. Cases. So like being simple and generic usually comes with the cost of being inefficient or just having other hurdles to go over because um, from what I understand, understood from what, you know, they were saying about it and kind of some of my own experiences, you start adding this layer of like, well, Hey, yeah, we want to make it easy for all these people to sort of essentially connect peer to peer but, you know, and that's kind of what that system tried to do with maybe, say, uh, a, excuse me, one person being an arbiter and trying to be like, okay, well, yeah, well, every, you know, I'll sort of coordinate the connections between all these different people. But that really didn't work, especially when you start considering people's individual network configurations and they're, you know, hey, is this guy behind a firewall? Like, what is he doing? You know, and also just generally speaking, and you can go check out our earlier episode about – uh the evolution of networking peer-to-peer systems for something like a first person shooter just start to break down when you're like spread across the internet and that's kind of essentially what unet was trying to do they didn't have an authoritative client server and they're very much so here's the thing is they don't sound like they have any sort of like necessarily built in stuff like unet for you know your networking anymore but now like some of their other services are going to support um actually having an authoritative server so like uh even they uh, i went to one talk where uh so let's just roll in the talks i attended actually at this point um right. <laughs> so i attended a lot of talks and uh one that kind of really says networking thing is um they were talking about how in their services so for like unity cloud build and things like that um they're gonna have an alpha i think it's an alpha i don't remember the beta whatever you know and it sort of early entry thing where you can try out uploading your own server as part of your build. So they'll actually have some cloud storage and you can even upload uh, like some of the stuff we worked on Obina, you know, a C sharp 
server that's just you know it can be completely outside of unity and just be like hey boop, i'm uploading my server along with this build you know and then that's going to spin up in a linux environment somewhere um you know again this is very high level magic right now but you know that's going to spin up somewhere and then you can like run your build against that so they're kind of acknowledging from the networking level that hey yeah, that's really never going to be something that is like an easy out of the box solution. You know, stuff, stuff like maybe, you know, games that just use push notifications or turn based type of stuff. Yeah, they can maybe provide for that. But, you know, real time multiplayer is just something that's kind of you got to do yourself. So yeah, it's really a customized experience. Exactly. Um, but, you know, to get to get on to some of the other, you know, talks that were attended after. So this is everything after sort of the uh, keynote. And a lot of this is still in the sort of ECS realm because um, after the keynote, they're like, hey, we have a whole ECS day, which was. So the keynote was Tuesday. That was the first day of the conference after some um, sessions. And then uh, Wednesday, the second day seemed to be the meteor day because that's when all the guys at there were a lot of the people that talked at the keynote or some of the higher ups at Unity were talking about some of the major systems that were in development. Um, is that kind of how it was for you when you went to some of the previous ones too, Abina? Oh, just uh, like, you know, the, okay. sort of the, the first days, like some entry sessions and then the keynote and the next day, it seemed like they had like the media stuff. Like it was the longest day of things to go to. Right. Is that kind of similar? Yeah, I think they yeah, because they kind of try to offset it with, you know, the keynote being on one day. So it was kind of the main focus. And then the next day, it's like the party's there. So they I think they pack it tight up until the party. And then and the last day is like, I think, really just let people relax. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, the, some of the smaller talks are on the last day. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty much how they they kind of been structuring it over the last couple. Years yeah. Like and that. that yeah. Oh, we'll get to that. But that, that last day was kind of interesting. But the second day, you know, was definitely the one where, like, I go back and look at sort of the, uh, they send you surveys after you go to a lot of these sessions. Like, you know, they'll scan your badge when you go in and like, oh, they'll send you a, like an electronic survey about what you thought. And going back through my email to remember which things I went to is like, oh, yeah, definitely that second day, Wednesday was by far the meatiest. And uh, anyway, um, but a lot of it had to do with the ECS stuff. And I'm just going to go down some of the, the things I listened to at some of these talks. Um, and the first one was like the uh, fast world building. So Unity apparently bought um, Pro Builder, which is something that allows you in the Unity editor to have sort of a mesh level, UV level control of things. Like, so, you know... In the past with Unity, you can say create something in Maya, like a level, and then bring it in. And it's, it's pretty much static. You know, there's a good job of importing it, optimizing it, you know, bringing in the textures, that type of thing. But, you know, once it's in there, you don't have a ton of mesh level control. So that's something on the horizon with them with Pro Builder and integrating that into their platform. So say, I've you know, I've got a rock I, you know, import and, you know, maybe I just want to like, you know, put that into the environment and say, well, that rock obviously looks like the other rock I just pasted in that other prefab. Well, with Pro Builder, you can actually go in and say like, I'm going to start pulling on the vertices of this rock, or I'm going to add an edge loop and then, you know, add some more detail to this rock. Or I may even want to go in and say, Hey, I'm going to edit the UVs of this. So it almost kind of integrates this uh, 3d editor mode in which obviously Unity is, but this sort of Maya-like 3D editor tools into Unity, which 
kind of cool. You know, it allows level authors and people like that to really add some, you know, diversity to their levels or, you know, some interesting type of things. So, yeah. Um, another one was lightweight render pipeline. The, you know, the script over render pipeline is really cool. Uh, you can add a lot of, you know, a lot of it gives you a lot of control to the rendering now, which is something Unity hasn't had in the past. Um, you know, you can, before it's kind of a black box and with other sort of systems, you could kind of define what you wanted things to look like. With this, it's not just shaders. You can actually take, like, within um, certain points of the render pipeline, say, like, ap after the depth pass, you can start monkeying with what is, like, coming out of that output and then feed it into the next stage of the pipeline. So it's, it's giving you a lot more control of things, which is really cool because we watched a guy sort of, you know, on the fly, you know, just take some things from a sort of an uh, one scene and then just interrupt the render pass and say like, hey, I kind of want to add this cool effect in this other scene now. And, you know, with a few C-sharp scripts, he was able to just inject that and say, hey, boom, here's this whole new effect. It updated the render pipeline, bam. And he had full control of that. So it wasn't just the shader. It was just, you know, he could kind of do what he wanted with the whole scene. So that was really cool. Yeah. Right. Another thing, uh, I don't think you've mentioned it on, or you didn't go to one of these talks, but the one of the things that I remember from the keynote was them talking about the new graphic or the graph like um, oh, shader graph, it's like uh, VFX. VFX, yeah, yeah, shader graph. Was that shader graph or I think that's what it's called? Okay, Is that yeah, or VFX same thing? or visual effects graph. Yeah, wait, was shader yeah, graph yeah. the thing we used uh, at so yeah. uh, Sprockets? What was it? Shader that Forge was uh, yeah, sorry. shader Forge, shader yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, just just that whole that whole system. I think I, is, is Shadergraph and the VFX things are they separate systems? Or are they all just one thing called Shadergraph? Because mm. I remember they were talking about the VFX graph thing, which was like this new being able to really control what happens with your VFX through well, this graphing was, system. Then that uh, was the name of it because Shadergraph. I'm not sure where I pulled from. I mean, I know, dealt with a lot of shaders and there was a graph, so I may have made that up in my head. So it could have just been the visual effects graph because, and I and I want to apologize okay, okay. to Vlad, um, who is a buddy of mine I used to work with at a company here in Georgia a long time ago on an MMO. He was an artist there and actually caught up with him at Unite, uh, which was awesome. And he was one of the guys doing R&D on the visual effects graph. So I very much apologize, nice. Vlad Nikov, for... Uh, messing up the name of the very awesome feature you created. So, um, right, you guys are no longer. Yeah, he's probably just unfriending me off on Facebook <laughs> and everything. But nah, probably not because he's just the nicest guy I've ever met. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that thing is pretty awesome. Um, you know, it is. Uh, think of, I guess, again, going back to Maya, I guess like a hypergraph type of thing where you can just sort of like have a visual way of plugging in all these effects, like in assets to each other and, you know, have a real time way of just sort of looking at what effects you're creating. And uh, that thing was very cool. So I guess you saw the keynote with them having sort of the Unity logo rendered in that weird sort of like particle field type of thing or... Did you see that? Happen to see that? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Actually, yeah. I just remember. I remember there was a woman on the stage, and 
I think that's it. And so you just remember the woman. Okay, cool. No, anyway, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very awesome system. It's something they've needed because, you know, it was either like sort of like roll your own or like we're saying, get some like shader forge, which, um, you know, generated a lot of sort of bloated code. Uh, so they've got their own in-house thing now, which is awesome. Like some HLSLs, uh, CGI type of stuff, or you no, know, it, it looks, it looks really promising. So, like end to end their tools are getting a lot better and so you know we're talking sort of generally on wednesday night um another thing they had was the uh r&d roadmap which there was a lot of stuff on that one thing that i was kind of interested in was the uh fact that they had some support coming from for like more lightweight devices sort of like uh essentially html5 and some other things you know i've been doing at my job but uh all, all the stuff at the roadmap was very high level and sort of interesting, but, you know, that's like at least end of next year type of thing. Oh, so, oh, go, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, actually. So, okay, so yeah, thanks. Um, so out of all the things I attended, though, of being a, um, and I don't know if Dan talked to you about this, addressable assets are freaking amazing. Like that new feature is essentially take all the pain we had with asset bundles, all the code we wrote to manage manifests and dependencies and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like hadn't checked out the system yet, but they have a solution for that now, which is something you can actually define. Hey, here are like, are they going to be local? Like, or are they going to be an editor? Are they going to be provided from an, you know, S3 or, you know, CDN or, or yeah, whatever. Like where, what bucket are these assets coming from? Where are these asset bundles located? Also, Hey, you know, you know, you're going to have patches of them, you know, so you're not like, if you create, you know, so you release your game, you have all these asset bundles up there. People are downloading them and you know, streaming them in. And then all of a sudden you come up with 1.1 and maybe you change the color of a texture on a guy on the street or whatever. It's like, you know, people don't need to download that whole asset again. They actually have ways to diff those where you provide the previous, you know, build and asset bundles and say, hey, here's version 1.1. Yeah, like, let's figure out what's different. And then you just patch what's necessary down and not like, hey, we need to, you know, download the whole asset or that whole package. Cool. So we get built in and out of the box, like performance (laughs) updates on asset bundles or assets. Yes, that's what they're going for. Like, you know, like I said, I mean, I was personally involved with that heartache at Sprockets where it was like, okay, here come the asset bundles. Do they even look right? Did they work? What platform are they for? You know, heck, you know, what are the dependencies? How do we like package that up? And, you know, we wrote our own code for, you know, looking at GUIDs and finding dependencies and blah, blah, blah. And they're taking care of a lot of that now, which honestly is a great feature, I think. And even where I am. Right. I think ahead. that was like, sorry. No, I was just saying, I remember that they were talking about, they've kind of been alluding to this re-envisioning, sorry, re-envisioning of this asset bundling system. Uh, and I think that's the team out of Austin, maybe, uh, Unity Austin, that kind of was working on this uh, new age asset bundles. And I think it's been going on for like, was it three years now when they first introduced like the asset bundling reference thing where it could, you know, scrape your assets and and figure out where or where the bundles live and stuff. And I think that was just in, it was on a GitHub account or GitHub stream. Uh, But it's nice to see that they're starting to like roll roll this stuff out uh, and make it available for people to use. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I don't know. That was the thing I was kind of, like with all the stuff out there, like 
that just seemed the most bang for your buck thing is even like I was about to say it um, where I'm currently at, like we've got developers that have 1.4 gigabyte downloads for their games and they're good games. They get great assets in them and everything. And, um, but they could certainly benefit from this because it's like, I know they have multiple characters and levels that aren't even being used up front. It's just like you initially download it. It's 1.4 gigs. Something like this could allow them an easy way to define, hey, here's all the stuff I want streamed in. Now, you know, there's a little more to do there. It's not just like, hey, it's magic. You've got to like structure a game in such a way to take advantage of that and be smart about streaming it in and, you know, sort of keeping, um, you know, load times at a minimum and being smart about it. But it's still a super cool feature. And actually, hold on. Sorry, I was, I was trying to find. So a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is either on GitHub or in their package manager. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head the name of the actual Unity archive. Oh, yeah. So it's, and we can put this in some show notes, but uh, github.com slash unity dash technologies. And from there, you'll get like the FPS sample and all this other cool stuff. Check out their GitHub. They've got a lot of cool things. So, you know, get this crypto render pipeline, input system, playgrounds, blah, 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 blah. There's a ton of cool stuff there. So um, I remember they put a hub on there last year, and I think is that officially yeah, that's like in a one point oh. Please use that because I mean my job uses it heavily. Um, you know I'm working with multiple different vendors and developers, so sometimes I got to pop something open, and it's like you know actually having to have multiple installs at Unity Hub. <laughs> Definitely very helpful there. Yeah, it's a lifesaver. Um, one other quick thing I want to talk about is AR. I went to one of the AR talks. This stuff out of the box looks really cool. They had an AR art gallery there where you'd go point the phone at things and like, you know, the, at a pedestal being that thing and um, have an image on it that was in their image database. And so when the phone saw the image, you tap the image on the screen and it would bring up, say, a 3D model that somebody had created and, you know, it would look at you from your camera view, or you just kind of like move around it and see things, but their AR stuff's coming along too. So is their VR stuff. Uh, the new Xbox avatars were created in Unity. They're doing a lot of stuff. This is running long, I'm sorry. But I'm just gonna try to dump everything in right now. Um, but it's it's very cool, so. So just overall, Ryan, how, how did you like Unite? How did, how was what was the what was your feeling about Unite? Um, I highly recommend it to anyone who's doing Unity development, and you know if if you can go go because afterwards I started poking at things, digging into things more. Like it was just a very inspiring place to be because you know here's you're around a bunch of um you know creative people and like you know technical people who are using these tools to just do cool stuff, and you know you started like really feel like, Hey, you know, I can do this, you know, look at this. I, you know, you're sitting in a talk watching it. And it's like, Oh, you just do that. Cool. I can do that. And, um, right. you yeah, just I mean, start flowing. So, yeah, I know. I feel like we've, we've kind of said that over all of our unite recaps is just, I know Zach's mentioned it, Andrew. I mean, that was the kind of the birthplace of this podcast is just going to unite and being so inspired by, what's going on, what they're doing, what Unity's doing, what other right, developers yeah. are doing. As you're talking to them, you're like, oh, you're doing that? That's really cool. You already have a game out? That's really cool. You have 20 games out? That's really, really cool. So it's just really inspiring to be around just a lot of creativity and, and passion because a lot of these developers are just passionate about games. And when you're around someone who's just so passionate about games, it just really 
fuels your fire. So definitely go if you can. This conference in general, especially as you're a Unity developer, it's really, really, really inspiring. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was, you know, like everything you said. And, you know, I got the benefit of getting to hang out with um, some old friends and talking to them like it's from Sprockets and then do it because you'll find yourself wanting to do more later. Only note I'd say is for LA, air quality is not great out there, I found. So. Exactly. I do not like LA, but yeah, that's I, most like, of. okay, so real quick, my, <laughs> my hotel had a window out toward the Hollywood sign. Like, I guess it'd be West Hollywood. Oh, yeah, dang, so when that's I, was, cool. I was looking at it, I'll have, to, I'll have to send you a shot of it, but there's only one day I could kind of make out the word Hollywood. The rest of it, it was all a haze. And I was. So oh, I was looking wow, at my phone terrible. and it has like an air quality app. It, it just something was built in. I'm not this big of a paranoid person. But, you know, in Georgia, it was about, you know, 20 was the number. Go out to L.A., the days I was there were 100. So it went from like basically air's fine to, hey, you maybe shouldn't go outside. <laughs> you should maybe pull a mask yeah, out. exactly. That's so, But, yeah, overall, Unite was a lot of fun. And we're all going to have to go sometime because that was fantastic. So, all right, everyone. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So that was a great talk about sort of Unite. I just can't tell you enough how much I enjoyed going there. And um, I would recommend it to anyone. I know this is kind of sounding like a broken record, but it was a ton of fun. Um, and there was a lot of cool tech coming out. Check out their roadmap, um, you know, and their website and their GitHub. Like I said, it, there, there's a lot of cool tech right, out there. So um, for sure. And we can keep that conversation going on our Facebook group, which is the Debug Lounge. So if you're not in the Debug Lounge and you love to talk about games, love to talk about the tech industry or or development or your game in particular, you should check that out. Just go to facebook.com and search for the debug lounge and request an invite. And then we will accept you within a few minutes. Cause we're really that, that needy. Oh yes, we are for members. But anyway, <laughs> outside of that, if you like what we're doing here on the show, you can also contribute monetarily via our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the debug log. And you can just donate whatever you feel speaks to you speaks to your heart speaks to your soul and we will surely surely yes, appreciate thank it. you very much and that is it for this week folks thank you for listening and on twitter i am at re kilgore k-i-l-l-g-o-r-e and you can find me on twitter at o beans that's o with an h beans with yes a sir all right thanks everyone <laughs>